0: Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you again for your word. Lord, we thank you for your ministry on earth when you spoke these words that were recorded that we can, Lord, go over and over again, Lord, to, to see who you are and what you mean to us, and we just pray that you bless us with it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in the months before Holy Week, I began a sermon series on the seven churches in Revelation that uh, Alan actually finished. And I think it was Barry that asked me if I was going to continue on through Revelation. Actually he asked in the negative, he says, you're not going to continue through Revelation are you? I think uh, suggesting I not as the book can be really difficult to understand. And I was not planning to go on, and I'm still not planning to go on, but uh, the lectionary readings were from Revelation of late, and I look at them all when I do my own personal reading, and I began spending more time reading in Revelation, and I was really intrigued by some of the things described that are not uh, mysteries uh, to us, like the picture of heavenly worship. It's just a, a picture of what's going on up there and I was uh, I was recently talking to Pastor Jonathan about all of that and he noted that, you know, in heaven there will be not much of what Christians are now occupied with or are supposed to be occupied with, no Bible studies as as we will have perfect revelation in God's presence, no evangelism as everyone will be saved up there. No discipleship as we will have been perfected, seeing Christ, we will be as he is. No more um, intercession, as all our tears will have been wiped away, but there will still be a whole lot of worship going on in heaven, and that got me thinking that if, if worship is what we will be doing then, and it will be satisfying, no doubt, why not more worship here and now? Perhaps worship is the key to a Christian's satisfaction even now. And I admit in my, that my thoughts uh, went there of late because I have felt unsatisfied in my occupation and that got me pondering as to why. My work lately kind of reminded me of when I was growing up and going to school. You see, I went to the same central school for 13 years from kindergarten to 12th grade. And I was on the same bus every morning, the same ride, the same routine, the same teachers, everything for 13 years. And I really became bored with it all and I couldn't wait till it was over. And it was back then when I decided that I certainly wasn't going to work inside one building doing the same thing for a whole career, eight hours a day. Uh, That's why I, I chose farming as my first occupation and that way I could work outside and concentrate on on different things with every season, plant crops, help them grow, harvest them. I could watch my herd of cattle grow and plan ahead and build my business And, and that kept me satisfied in a way for a while but not of course completely satisfied because I found I was missing out on a social life and a family and and many things a uh, family of my own that, and, uh, and so I had to make some changes to fulfill those desires and I sold out my farming business and bought my own place of course up here in Canada married Maria and eventually found myself in my current uh, vocation and family situation but you know uh, when I got into this rut of, of the same thing of late you know, it was different, it was praying, reading scriptures, looking into what to preach next, developing my sermons, doing my institutional visits, and and preaching, and for the past two years, sometimes to 20 people, but more often not, to a congregation like this of 10 or 12, with little feedback and little fruit and watching the numbers dwindle and dwindle, and I can tell you, uh, uh, recently, the most satisfied that I've been in my work in a long time was the week when when the men's group uh, went out and we, you know, we built a handicap ramp for uh, Fred and Joe, and and I also got involved with the Church of the Nazarene with some physical work that they were doing for some widows in in their church. And at the end of the day, I could actually see the re- good results of the work that had been done. Um, And as I got back into the normal routine this week, it made me realize, hey, there was something to that. I could see a little bit of of why I was not satisfied. Not only does it seem like the same old thing, but I haven't seen any growth or fruit uh, for years. In fact, I see quite the opposite. And that can be discouraging. And I think the answer to the question of why I'm not often satisfied is that I'm looking for satisfaction in good results of my effort or my effort and God's combined, but not looking for satisfaction in God himself. You know, everything good for a Christian comes from God, and And we must constantly realize that and constantly acknowledge that in satisfying worship. And that's why we make it a habit, of course, to thank God for our food each meal before we eat. That's why we gather each Sunday for worship. And we must make it a habit in many more ways in our lives. We must make a habit of thanking God for everything. But sometimes even when we get success by the ability that God gives us, it gets in the way of our worship of God and we begin being satisfied in success and even begin attributing our success to ourselves and not to God. And that is when God humbles us and we look to him again in full dependency on him. Like, uh, and we see, we see how that story in, in the Old Testament about King Nebuchadnezzar, how God brought that about. And when we acknowledge once again that we are no good on our own for anything and reach out to God as the only one good and sufficient to give us success, then he lifts us up again, he lifts us up to worship him. Acknowledging his goodness and our dependency on him is worship. And hopefully we will live like that in times of failure and in times of success. And I think that if we would live like that, we would find satisfaction in worshiping him. And that is why reading about worship in heaven and thinking about all of what we will be doing for all eternity I came to this thing I'm not worshiping God as often as I should be so that's why I was intrigued with this passage in Revelation today and I want to look at it further but before I do I also want to look at a few verses from the psalm that we read and some other psalms some 145 16 says this about god it says you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing verse 19 says he will fulfill the desires of those who fear him and fills the hungry soul with goodness so we see that there's a healthy need or dependency on god that we have and that needs to be acknowledged. And God satisfies our needs when we acknowledge him and he satisfies us in the act of worship. And I believe that is what Jesus was talking to the woman at the well about. Now let's go on where we left off in Revelation the last time, uh, just for context. I'll remind you that after being given the message to the seven churches in the first three chapters of Revelation. In chapter four, John saw a door open in heaven. And he was called up into it. And he described being in the spirit immediately. He obviously couldn't be there in the flesh. And he saw a throne with lightning and thunder and voices proceeding from it, seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which John called the seven spirits of God. And God himself was sitting on the throne. In and around the throne were four living creatures with six wings each and eyes all around who constantly were saying, holy, 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 Lord God almighty, who was and is and is to come. And I'm sure when we are there in the future and we see that, it will be automatic to worship God in his holiness. Every being around his throne acknowledge God's holiness his, and his sovereignty over them, his His omnipotence and his eternality. He's, these were all, attributes of God that they were acknowledging constantly and apparently they also gave God thanks there because there were 24 elders as as we read with white robes and with gold crowns sitting on thrones all around God's throne and revelation 4 tells us that each time the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to God the elders fell down before God and cast their crowns before his throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So these 24 elders acknowledged God's worthiness as creator and as sustainer of all things. And that is the scene that we have of this heavenly worship. The elders are human. They are humans who have put their time in on earth faithfully and have received their crowns for faithfulness. and, And they were now promoted to heavenly worship. But as it goes on in Revelation 5, Jesus enters the scene. And I want to read that again. and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Verse 5, Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. The lion of the tribe of Judah is a reference that goes back to the Old Testament, back to Genesis, to the patriarchs, uh, to Jacob, the patriarch Jacob's final words and a blessing over his 12 sons from which the 12 tribes of Israel came. The lion showed the strength of Judah, which was the largest and most powerful of all the tribes. And there was indication from that passage and from there on in the Bible that someone from the tribe of Jacob would rule forever. And David, of course, was from that tribe. And so was Jesus, the root of David. And of course, the rule of the tribe of Judah and the lineage of of David um, in that rule ended for a while in exile when when Israel was conquered and carried away. But Jesus, of course, sprang up from that root and is yet to, be, yet to rule on earth. But he's already ruling in heaven. And it seems, seems ironic, really, uh, that the elder saw a triumphal lion taking this scroll, and John, who's he seen? a slain lamb then i saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain standing at the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of god sent out into all the earth he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our god and they will reign on earth what is interesting is that in contrast in contrast to the sovereign the worthiness of the in contrast To the worthiness of the sovereign almighty God who sat on the throne, Jesus' worthiness, even though he was also and is also God, was attributed to what he had done as a man. His purchasing with his own blood all kinds of people for God, making them a kingdom and priests to serve God, in that way, he had shown his power over the evil one. In that way, he had triumphed for us. And our purpose now as a purchased people for God is to serve God, to serve him in obedience. But what does that obedience require of us? Firstly, to submit to his authority and to acknowledge our dependence on him. We show that in willing worship. Worship for who he is, our eternal and sovereign ruler with unlimited unlimited power, the creator and sustainer of all things. And he transcends all else so that we cannot even understand him other than by receiving His grace and His mercy. Psalm 145 says, The Lord is gracious and merciful, long-suffering and of great kindness. The Lord is loving to everyone, and His mercy is over all His works. All Your works praise You, O Lord, and Your faithful servants give thanks to You They speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power that your power may be known to the children of men even the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures throughout all ages. Is that what we are known for? Is that what we do as God's servant? Worship him in that way here on earth. He is worshiped in heaven and he is worshiped on earth. It goes on, you are worthy to take the scroll oh verse 9, I already read it but I'll read it again, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nations and you have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God. That's us But that's talking about. We are, those, we are that kingdom and those priests. We have been purchased by Christ's blood, redeemed from carnal purposes in order to serve God here on earth. Our job on earth, because, of what, because Jesus bought us with his blood, is to first serve God in worship before we do anything else for him. That is why we gather today We are all priests to offer prayers and to offer worship to our God. And we will someday reign with Christ on earth. Verse 11, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive and the elders fell down and worshiped and later on in Revelation 7 9 John writes this after these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations tribes people and tongues standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Again, that is us. That is us, and that's our future. That's what we will be doing uh, someday in heaven. So why not worship more now? That's our job. Why? Would we be not more fulfilled in our purpose here on earth if we worship God more often than we do? Is it simply because we don't see God in all his glory that that we do not worship him always? Can we not use the scriptures like those that we read today to help us enter in to that worship? Well, of course we can. And I didn't include all the scriptures today of the many times in the Bible that the people of God were delivered by God from their enemies with nothing that they did in, with uh, on their own except worship Him. But I want to say that that still works today. It's, it was an Old Testament thing, and it's a New Testament thing when we worship Him. God acts. We don't understand it, but we put our confidence in him and he wants us to have that kind of faith in him. And when we worship him, even in hard times, he acts and he blesses us. And he gives us those wells of living water springing up from inside of us. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you, Lord, that we don't just have to look around the world and see all the discouraging things and be discouraged, Lord. We can look into your word. We can look into the activity that we read about in heaven. We can look into everything as it should be, as it and as it will be someday, Lord, as we know you have already conquered and you are enthroned in heaven and coming back to earth. And we thank you that we can have this sight. And, Lord, that you give us that vision both in your word and by your Holy Spirit as we read your word. And we thank you that we can be encouraged in your word and worship you today. Thank you for this privilege. In Jesus' name, amen.